What is up, everybody, in the worldwide web of casting of pods? How are you doing? This is the Sneaky Emu. This is episode number 22. I am so very glad you're here. Uh, the Sneaky Emu is a place where we want to seek and discover and search out for things like God and the beauty and the truth, the things that are always ever-present, always in front of us, that we may have failed to see from time to time. So that's what we want to do here. Um, this is episode number 22. Did I say that? Um, before we get to the actual episode, let me just do a couple of uh, a quick shout-outs. Um, I want to... I had... I, I've been doing this the past couple episodes, and I've gotten some feedback from it, which is kind of fun. But I want to give a big shout out to a few people uh, as we get going today. I want to give a big shout out to um, one of my one of my uh, friends and supporters, and somebody that I'm very grateful for their support. That is a, a very special lady that goes by the name of Christine the Catholic. <laughs> Which is incredible because she's uh, she's a great lady who uh, has a strong Catholic background, but um, is is not so much Catholic anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Uh, shout out to Joe uh, to Joe Sleppy. I think that's right. Joe Joe. Did I say that correctly? Um, and uh, who I was hanging out with a few weekends ago, we went to uh, a little pub in Sanford, Florida called The Sullivan, and we listened to my friend Damien Sumi, who does the intro song for this uh, podcast, and we got to hang out, and it was, a, it was a good time. And Joe said he listens to this while he's running, and my timing of about 40 minutes or so is a perfect timing for his run. So Joe, if you're listening and you're running, run faster, you big, lovable fella. Joe, come on, you can do it. Go faster. Let me see what you got. Uh, big shout out to uh, Garrett Pratt, who I think I've said hello to before. And then I think that's really about it. Um, I'm just kidding. There's this one guy that I hang out with that seems to keep hanging around my family that goes by the name of Mitchell. And so uh, big shout out to Mitchell. Thanks for listening, buddy. Glad you're here. Glad you're in my life. Um, <laughs> and of course, as always, Mom, thanks for listening. And Aunt Zana, stay warm. All right, so enough with the prelude. Is that what it's called, the prelude? Oh, Jessica, hi, thanks for listening. Oh, and my wife, Jessica. Hi, thanks for listening. Um, episode 22. I want to call this one, seriously, it's not about the running. Yeah, and I want to do something a little different with this. I want to do, I want to do a bit of a series, like a couple weeks here, where we talk about, I'm going to use the format of running the the metaphor it's uh yeah that has to do with running but it's not it's it's like bigger bigger than the running so i am currently back from um i think it'll be a couple parts maybe like a three four part series that uses running as a guide to talk about something else so if you're not a runner that's okay if you are a runner that's okay too. Uh, maybe there'll be some things for you uh, that will be beneficial. But also, if you're not, it's it. it there's still deeper, bigger, wider things. Here. This is not a running podcast. <laughs> this is not a running podcast. So, uh, the past couple weeks, I've been talking about getting prepared to do my my big race, uh, and I did it. I did the race, and believe it or not, I actually did it. I ran 100 miles. 
uh, at one time, <laughs> one time, it sounds so ridiculous. Uh, my first 100 mile race, and it was incredible. Um, now, a couple things about it. I'll give you just a couple of details just for fun. But also, it's one of those things where I can give you the details about what it was, but it's also very hard to describe the experience because it's bigger than just the details. There's something uh, deeper and heavier than just the details of the race uh, that that go into that experience and everything that I went to. So just a few like here here's what it was. Uh, we went to this was uh, two Fridays ago. This will be three Fridays by the time you hear this. Went to a little town called Lando Lakes, Florida. That's where they make the butter. I'm just kidding. I don't know if they make butter there. But uh, on, a, on a Friday, Saturday morning, I got to get up and we ran, um, went to the race. It was a, it's a 10 mile course. You do it three times, uh, three times, that's 30 miles, do your math. We do it 10 times and uh, it's, it's primarily, it's like 90% unpaved trails. So it's in the woods. Um, and you're running over sand and roots and mud and rocks and all kinds of things. And there was about 150 people or so that signed up to do the race. 96 or 98 people actually finished the race. And then of the 96 people that finished, 35 people ran the 100 miles under 24 hours, of which I happened to be in that category I finished um, my 100 miles in 23 hours and 34 minutes. Yeah. I mean, the most incredible thing about it was that I went that distance, not that distance, I went that length of time without taking a nap. <laughs> I'm more impressed with that than I am that I ran the 100 miles. Uh, no, so it was an incredible, an incredible thing. Um, my wife, uh, Jessica, and my sister, Hannah, they got to come with me and they were like my crew. You're allowed to have a crew come with you. And then at 60 miles, they're allowed to like run with you. They call it pacing. So you're allowed to have a pacer. So they came with me and the, they split the mileage up. And even they, I think my wife ended up doing like 29 miles. My sister ended up doing like 20 miles, um, which is incredible. They stayed up with through the night with me. They made me food. They, you know, I would come, we had a little tent area. And so after each lap, um, I would come to our little tent and they would give me food and I had a like a massage gun and, you know, they'd make sure they'd help me change socks and all kinds of stuff. Um, it's, it's really uh, quite an experience. Um, there are some, some highlights and some low lights. I felt really strong throughout the race. Uh, I felt really good even like through 50 or 60 miles. Probably um, the, the toughest like barrier that I had was around 90 miles where I sat down for a second and um, I didn't really want to get back up. You know, <laughs> I felt a bit nauseous. I was I was very sleepy and uh, wasn't quite sure I was ready to go. But um, they helped me up and helped me get going and, and it was fantastic. So it's really cool. I want a belt buckle. You get this giant uh, in the world of ultra running, which is what this is. Uh, once you get into that distance, you win a belt buckle as a medal instead of like a medal. <laughs> so I have a like a cowboy rodeo size belt buckle now and it's it's got like a, the logo of the race on it 
and it's like got this neon green around some silver and it's silly I, I love it i probably you know i won't really wear it except for every day for a while but after that i'll put it down i'm sure um but i'll tell you that you know there's so much beyond just the running aspect of it um there, there's just you you come away on the other side of this thing something uh, as crazy as this with like I learned, I learned a lot through the experience. So let me give you a, uh, I think in this, in this episode, I'm going to break this stuff down. What I learned from the race that will be good for you, even if you don't race or do, do runs, um, into two episodes. And then I'll do two other episodes uh, on seriously. It's not about the running, um, about other <laughs> experiences tied to this. <laughs> Uh, for example, like this one, I want to talk about just, just a few things. It's not in any particular order, but maybe slightly, um, the, the power of a name, this is important, uh, pacing the self, pushing through the pain, uh, the importance of a support team, um, what's possible and how did I get here? Yeah. That's kind of the few things I want to talk about today. And then the following week we want to talk about, um, like, judging people <laughs> uh, about playing the comparison game. Uh, I want to talk about how we all have our own version of what's difficult. Um, and then the next couple ones, uh, I want to talk about my experience after the race uh, where I was outrun. I think I've talked some about this, but there's a specific story where I was outrun by the high school track team in my neighborhood and then I want to talk about the girl at the back of the pack. And then I want to talk about how um, when you go through something like this, like you're the expert now. Yeah. So I was a bit leery of doing a, a quasi running specific uh, couple of episodes, but I think this stuff that comes out of the premise of running is so very powerful. So I thought, you know what, let's, let's just try this and see how it goes. Uh, if it's not your thing, uh, that's cool. Go ahead and email me at Seth uh, at I'm not sure if I care dot com, and I'll see if I can get that email. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about the power of a name. Um, I, I I didn't pick up on this, but my wife made the comment to me after the race that she, um, you know, everybody gets a bib number. When you, when you do races like this, of course, if you've ever done any sort of run or 5K or 10K, whatever, uh, you get a bib number and that's how they help track you. The bib normally has some sort of timing tracker so they can keep an eye on you on the race. Um, and it's normally just a number, right? I, I, was number <laughs> I was number 369, yeah. And so when people were cheering for me, the few people that were on the course, uh, they would cheer for, you know, like, they would say, I guess they didn't really call me that, but anyways, my wife is a cheerleader at heart. Uh, and so she likes, she's an encourager. She's, I think I've talked about this like an Enneagram too. So she's a helper. She wants to help people wherever she can. And so in the later stages of the race, when she was able to run with me, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty well tired. My, uh, mentally, I was still like fairly functional. I only had one hallucination. I thought I saw a bear in the trail, but there wasn't, <laughs> it was just grass. Um, and so I was in my head, you know, kind of just using all my energy to stay 
one foot in front of the other. But my wife, she kept encouraging people along the way. Every time she'd pass somebody, good job, you could do it, you know, way to go. And she made a suggestion after after the race. She said, you know, it would be so great if um, if they, on a race like that, if they would put people's names uh, along with their number, right? So that you could have a name identity when you're running this race because there's something powerful about hearing your name. And I, I, this is definitely true within the race. I think it's true beyond the race that there's power in hearing your own name, right? If somebody says, good job, okay, great. If somebody says, you're, you're doing good, Seth, right? Or Mitchell or Joe or Zaina or Mom, like there's something powerful there. Um, there was a guy at one of the aid stations uh, and I didn't, it took me like, three, three laps to realize it. But, um, when I would go by the aid station, he would call me out specifically. And I guess he had had a, um, he had a, a chart with everybody's name and number on it. So he knew who you were. So when you were getting close, he would look up your number. And when you came by the aid station, he wouldn't go, all right, 369 way to go. He would go, Hey Seth, you're doing great. Is there anything I can get you? Seth, keep going. And there's something about hearing somebody else speak that, that like something that, that sinks in, something about that personalization that you know me as I am, and as a name, as a person, as a human, as an individual, there's power to that. Um, and I'm sure there's some sort of research research or studies, and, and maybe you've seen stuff on like in, in the realm of business or whatever, or getting to know people or ways to memorize people's names where if you repeat their name, you know, like a couple times in the conversation, it's um, one, it helps you to remember, but also there's a bit of like comfort and security there. Like it, it sets a premise uh, to establish some sort of relationship. And so I think this idea of, of it's, it's this connection that you feel connected. You know, that guy, he doesn't know me from Adam, but there's this perceived connection that seems to give some sense of, of uh, support that's much deeper than just, hey, you can do it, buddy, right? And so I wonder sometimes when it comes to our lives and, and to our worlds, and, and some of this depends on where you're at, where you live, how you grew up, that sort of thing, but we pass a lot of people in our day-to-day -day lives that we may overlook. Uh, when you go to the gas station to get gas or you go inside to the store, do you call the lady at the who's checking you out or the guy who's checking you out? Do you actually take time to read their name tag and speak their name to them? Or do you just, you know, nod your head and say, how's it going? My father, if they're wearing a name tag, uses the name. My brother, I think he does the same thing. Hey, Tim, how's it going? You're doing great today, man. Hey, 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 uh, hey, Jimmy, thanks for ringing me up. Like, and there's something about hearing that from somebody that you may or may not know, feeling as if you're connected, that I think does help to bring some sense of connection to people. And it helps, I think it helps lift the spirit and helps give you like a, a deeper, like it, it speaks something to within your being. And it's a really beautiful thing. So, you know, maybe, maybe for us, maybe for you, the idea is, hey, where, where are the places in your life or in your world that that you have these characters, these people that you interact with on a daily basis, but you've never once said their name. Try, try saying their name. See what happens.
because I know, I know I loved it in this moment. I know it would be really cool. I know that people get excited when they're cheered on by who they actually are. And there's something to that. There's something to that. I'm sure, I'm sure you could like, we, we could probably do a deep dive on this into like, if you were to go through like the Bible and see where God called people and how he addressed him, um, that, uh, that there's something there about using the name of somebody. So anyways, that's one of the big things. I thought, wow, that's a great observation from my wife about the power of the name. Yeah. So that, that was that was really cool. I want to encourage you you know, take that take that with you this week. Try that. When when you're at the gas station, the grocery store, the bank, you know, whatever. Like see, see how that goes. Let me know how that goes for you. Uh one of the other things is this. Um uh, so my plan for the race was to try to run the first 10, 20, maybe, maybe about the first 20 miles to go at a, uh, you know, on a trail, you run a little bit slower than you do on like a paved course. And so my goal was to, to, to run the first 20 at a decent pace and then kind of like start slowing down and, and, and changing my pace up beyond that. But what I've realized that several people do, um, even, even the guys that, like uh, are are really good at this stuff, is that they will they will have a specific um, run to walk ratio that they will start at the very beginning of the race. For example, um, they will do like a ten minute run and then a one minute walk. So from the very beginning of the race, even when you're not tired, they run ten minutes, walk one minute, run ten minutes, walk one minute. There was one guy, in fact, that I met um, who does like a he did a three minute run and then a one minute walk, and he did that for the whole race. And he actually ended up getting I think he beat me like twenty minutes or so. So this whole idea of pacing yourself, I mean, I I, I eventually switched to something like that along along the run, but um, I, the, I I I've begun to see the merit in this, and I think there's a there's a deeper there's a really deep thing about this, um, and I think really even if if you think about the biblical premise, the concept of Sabbath, th- that's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is pacing yourself. Sabbath is work six days, take a day of rest, right? Th- this and this is actually built into like the idea of a period of going and a period of stopping or slowing down. It's built into everything. Like, this is why we have seasons. Right, you have seasons of, of of growth in the spring, newness of life. Seasons of growth in the summer. You have seasons of uh, things in the fall. Things are starting to die off in winter. Everything's dead, and then it picks back up again. So you have these times of growth and these times of death, and like this is built into everything. There was a um, a report, a science study thing I had heard at one time where they said um, there was some famous zoo, like the Bronx Zoo or something. And they were uh, studying these animals at the Bronx Zoo, and they realized that these animals were getting the animals were getting sick. And so, what they found out was, when they kept the animals on display in the zoo for more than six days at a time, their health began to decline. They began to get sick and weak and kind of depressed. But when they instituted a like six days into the public, one day of rest at the zoo where they weren't on display, where they weren't being ogled by the people, that they actually were able to maintain a better sense of health. So even the animals at the zoo have have this thing built into them, this rhythm, this pattern that is what you need for the ability to sustain the self. 
that they are on display for six days. They take a day of rest to, to just be, to not be seen for a day. And that helps them to stay more stable, more solid, more, uh, more healthy. You see, I think we live in a world and a time where, uh, people don't get away. They don't slow down. They don't take a day of rest. They try to run the 100-mile race without stopping, and it doesn't work. It does not work. You cannot sustain that thing. You weren't built to sustain that way. The the the, the principle of the Sabbath, you know, Jesus says um, the Sabbath was made for man, not the right? Sabbath was made for man, but not, not the man for the Sabbath. The idea is... Not that it's this legalistic thing that we have to do this thing because God said to do this thing. The idea is that this, this is part of the design that actually helps you to function at your highest capacity, right? It's really quite incredible. So whatever you're doing, wherever you're at in your, in your life, I think there's a merit to the idea of, of learning the art of pacing the self, like you have to have times of reprieve. You have to have times of respite. What was it? My sister, when we were running, um, she would use a word because it was like we were going on like 70, 80 miles or something like that. And I moved to a, um, I did like a, a eight minute run and a two minute walk. And then I went to like a six minute run and a two minute walk. And my sister would, when we would, they would, because they were the pacers, they would keep the timing on their watch so I didn't have to worry about it. So uh, when we would come to the end of the six or eight minute mark, she would say, uh, I think she would say reprieve, <laughs> which I, I remember at the time thinking, why didn't she just say walk or rest or stop? But there's something great about that. I'll have to ask her, was she actually saying reprieve or did I make that myself? But I thought, that's a great word. Thank you, Hannah, for bringing that little bit of joy into this craziness of a run. So where is your reprieve? Is that the right word? The reprieve, where you take a minute to collect yourself to calm and to rest. I've heard one guy speak of it this way, where he says, um, to, to take time to rest, to take time to end the work, even when the work isn't done, right? Yeah. You're always going to have stuff you can do, always stuff you can be busy with, but you can't operate nonstop. You weren't built to, you can, you, you, the body, the mind, the self, the health of the self, the health of the spirit, requires this day of rest. If you look at the story of creation, six days of creating and then a day of rest. Even God, the infinite, the infinite, omnipresent, whatever, even God took a day of rest. And I think you have less resources than God does. So you might want to look in, might want to look in, into that. So that was a big one. So you've got the power of the name, the, the the concept, the idea of pacing the self. It's so very important. Um, one of the other lessons was this idea of of like of pushing through the pain and and the idea of mind over matter. Uh, there there was a there was a good deal of hurt and soreness and pain along this journey. Um, 
But what I've learned and what, what I've seen people talk about that actually helped me, so maybe this will help you, um, not, not if you're going to do this kind of, of race, obviously, but uh, this idea, I, I read one time where it said, if you can run, if you can run 50 miles, you can run 100. Is that, is that helpful to you? <laughs> if you can run 50, you can run 100. Uh, but the, the, the whole idea was really um, that it's less about the physical nature of what you're doing and so much more about the mental nature. I could do, I could probably do a whole episode alone on, on the, the mind and the power of the mind. But just for now, this is just like a few lessons from doing a crazy thing. Um, like seriously, it's not about the running. Uh, but this idea of mind over matter, it, so much of how we approach and tackle the world, it all starts in the brain. It all starts in the mind. It is The mind is such a powerful force in yourself, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. Everything, what's the, what's the saying about, uh, 90% of, oh no, 10% of life is what happens to you and 90% is how you respond, right? Everything, it, it all starts in the brain. I tell my kids this all the time. When my daughter has a bad day, uh, actually she she does like almost every morning. <laughs> she, she, she's been in a rough spot. Listen, she's nine. She's carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders, right? There's a lot to be upset about. You, if you don't get your hair done properly, or if your school uniform, um, you know, isn't fitting the way it's supposed to, there's a lot to be really frustrated about. Okay, um, so I tell her, I've told her multiple times, like, like, why, why are you upset? Okay, well, here's this, and she'll give me reason X, Y, and Z as to why things she can be upset about, and then as we talk through it, you know, and and it's not to minimize her feelings. I don't want to do that, but. There's something about the starting place of the mind. Like, okay, your uniform fits. It's a good, you know, whatever. It's clean. It's one, like, there's really nothing beyond this thing that you have to be upset about. You're choosing this mentality and you're allowing it to give you a terrible morning. And then you're allowing that to become toxic to the rest of the family. Now you're arguing with your brothers and and, and you're getting in fights with your parents. Why? Be because you're choosing to have a bad day, you know? Um, so there's this idea of uh, when, when you're you know, on a race like this, you're, you're going to get to a point where you hit a wall and things are going to get tough. Like I said, a mile 90 was my one of my big, the toughest ones. And it was, it was all in my mind. Obviously, it's not all in my mind. There was actual physical pain. And I know we go through that. But the ability to get through it is going to be found in, in, in the mind and your ability to push through that pain, understanding that you can get through it and you're tougher than you actually think. You're, you're tougher. You're actually tougher than you might think you are. Um, there, was, uh, there was a couple moments on that run where I, I did start to feel the soreness, but I was reminded of this thing that I had talked to, a, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I had talked to a guy who does um, ultras quite a bit. Like this is, I think he was actually there. I got to hang out with him. Um, my, I think I talked about them, my friend Kim, uh, and his, her husband, uh, she, he, he told me one time, this was his like seventh or eighth 100 mile run, which is crazy. Like you think doing it once is crazy doing it eight times. That's, that's nutty. Um, <laughs> but he had told me one time, he said, look, he goes, I just always try to remember 
that it doesn't always get worse, which is that that line has really resonated with me. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes it does get worse, but it doesn't always. And if you can hang in there and you can push through that pain and have the mental fortitude to push through that physical, emotional, mental struggle, like you can come out of this thing on the other side. And so I think what a, what a great thing to be reminded of in just like normal daily life. The odds are you will go through some sort of difficulty at some point in your life. Everybody does. The Bible talks about this. In this life, you will have trouble, right? That's a thing. This is nothing new. People have been dealing with this kind of stuff forever. I think what gives you the advantage is if you know and understand that that pain is a thing that you will have to deal with, but also you can, in fact, get through it right? Not that you are the end-all, be-all of strength and not that you don't need God. You can do it on your... That's not my point. My point is when it comes to most things in this life, you actually are so much stronger than you than, than you know and think. And it's not until you push yourself that you're able to look back and say, wow, look, look what I was able to do. You know, I was talking... Uh, this may be for like um, next... Uh, the next episode, but just a little little thought. I was talking with this um, with one of my friends who's getting ready to do a forty five mile race, and she was asking me some questions about it because this is this is her long run for her, and um, she said uh, we were talking about the, going through the pain, and she said, you know, she goes, there's this other woman inside of me that I don't get to to meet very often, but she goes in in long distance runs like this. I get to meet her and I get to become her. I get to tap into this whole other woman that's inside of me. And I love that moment. I'm like, yes, that's the thing. Like you're pushing through the pain. There's, there's this, there's this thing about the power of the mind and, and the idea of mind over matter. And there's something with, with going through the struggle and realizing that you can stay strong mentally through this stuff that helps you get to the other side. That's, it's super empowering. You, If you've ever been through some sort of difficulty in your life and you've made it to the other side, don't you now know that you are stronger? And don't you look back on that and you go, man, that was rough, but I made it through. And then don't you, in fact, look forward to other issues and problems and go, yeah, okay, that may be tough, but I've been through something like this before. Right. There's so much to be learned in the self from pushing through the pain in, in whatever aspect of life. Maybe for you, it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just where you're at in your general mindset uh, of, of who you are. Maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe it's maybe it's pushing through the pain of last year and you're still right. There's something about here's the thing on the other side of 2020. What can't uh, what can't we make it through? <laughs> right? Come on. You you've you've been through some stuff. Uh you you have that within you. It's it's a cool thing to be able to know like you can press yourself. You can push through the pain and it's cool to know like I think uh it's cool to be able to tap into the idea of of mind over matter. Um so you're you're tougher than you think, you know. Um, so that's that. That was something that definitely uh, was was heavy, like a, a heavy presence in doing this race I just did. Um, another thing is uh, the importance of support. Uh, I, I mentioned my sister and my wife being there and being able to pace me and being able to on that run. Uh, honestly, like I 
I 1000% believe that I don't know if I could have finished if they weren't there. Um, because I, I would have, I would have backed way off my pace. I would have stopped a lot more. I probably would have sat down and just cried for a while thinking I, I have how much more to go. Um, but something about having these two incredible people along for the journey on the journey with me by my side, supporting me, encouraging me to get me through it. That made all the difference in the world. Like, and I think about that just within our own lives. In your life, do you have people that you are taking this journey with? Do you have people that no matter what you're doing will come alongside you and help you get to the next mile? Because that is so very important for uh, one, uh, I think, to, to succeed at anything in this life, to have the right people on your side, and just for the sake of like how you were created. We are created in the image of community. We are, are beings that are not meant for isolation. Yes, isolation and, and uh, uh, removing yourself from things at certain times is, is very beneficial. It's very healthy. But like long-term isolation, that that's not good for us. We were meant to be a part of a community. We were meant to be connected. Everything is connected, in fact. And I believe that the connections that we have with others are the things that actually help us to get through this life. There, there was, um, you know, at one point in the in the '90s when uh, I was I was like walking, my wife was literally like holding my arm. Uh, to keep me walking straight <laughs> because I noticed I was like moving side to side in ways that could be dangerous. And there was, oh, actually at one point she did push me over in a ditch at mile like 93 or four. <laughs> if she's listening, she's going to be mad that I mentioned that, but it really wasn't her fault. But I did fall over on my back like a turtle and I couldn't get up with my poor little feet waving in the air and I, I was so I was so angry but I was so tired I couldn't even like get out like the words of frustration I think it was just like a lot of grunting and maybe like saying why 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 is this happening uh, but she picked me up and she kept me going like if honestly if she wasn't there I I don't know what the results would have been I think about that in, in my actual life like if my wife wasn't there in my in like real life beyond this race, I I don't know, I don't know if I would make it some days because she's such a huge a huge part of who I am and what makes me keep moving forward and you know like gosh I don't like you've got to have the right people with you. It's so very important, you know. Uh, my, my hope and my prayer for you is you have people and you know what who your support team is. But if you don't, man, I need to encourage you to find those people. They're, like, And here's the thing. They're not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to find a perfect support crew. You're not going to find the perfect people to do, help you do the things. Here's the thing. It's not really about you anyways. It's about collectively coming together to support each other. Right. I went to um, my sister and my wife did a, a half Ironman a couple months ago. I wasn't as involved in in their race as they were with mine, um, but I was there to support. I was there to cheer. So we've helped each other. I missed a few times when they passed. See, I'm not perfect, <laughs> but the support is key. 
The support is so very key. You have to have the people around you to help you do the thing. And you have to be around the others to help them do their thing. That's part of how this whole thing works. And when you have the right people and when you're supporting the people around you, it's incredible what you can accomplish together. All right, uh, two, like two more things here, and that I think this will be the end of the first one. And hopefully, you you will uh, get something out of this stuff. Um, two more things. Okay, the first one is this: um, when you think of running a hundred miles, like I used to think of running at all, it can seem a bit daunting. It can seem a bit like that's crazy. Who would ever do such a thing? That's not so. I could never do such a thing. Here's what I've come to realize. I've realized that at one time, the the idea for me of running a 5K was a was like a huge deal, and then the idea of running a half marathon was a huge deal, and then the idea of running a marathon was a huge deal, and then after running like a marathon. I started hearing about people who were running beyond marathons. Uh, I, I I think early on, I remember seeing a story about a lady in her late 60s who did these things called ultra marathons. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. That That's something that's possible, that people, that human beings can run 50 miles at a time. And, and, it's been like that research and that study and seeing what other people are capable of doing that has allowed me to dream or have this vision or this goal that maybe I could do that too. You see, and I think what's incredible about this is that as humans, um, and I think this goes back to the some of the power of the mind stuff as well. But that as humans, it's easy to uh, it's easy to get in our own way and to put limitations and barriers on what we are capable and able to do. And then sometimes all it takes is stumbling across or finding somebody that's doing something that you have never heard of. It's taking somebody that says, "Oh, I can run beyond the marathon." And then if I can see that somebody can run run beyond the marathon, can that somebody that has moved beyond what I have preconceived what I have perceived as the barrier of what's possible, then all of a sudden, oh, wait, that's not the limit. That's not the end to this thing. You know, it's like my dad. My dad in his late, uh, let's see, 50s, he rode his bike across America, like his bicycle from uh, the Atlantic Ocean in St. Augustine, Florida, to the Pacific Ocean somewhere in near um, Portland, Oregon, I believe. Like, that's a thing he did. I didn't what I didn't know that was possible. You see, and there's something brilliant and beautiful about seeing things that you didn't know were possible actually happen because then it opened you up to a whole new world of possibilities. Now that I know people can run over 26 miles, I've been able to run over 26 miles by like four times. It's like less than four times, but I you, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just seeing the possibility of what's possible. The possibility of what's possible? Does that make sense? Sometimes it's just seeing what's possible that actually allows you to go beyond where you ever thought was possible. You know, And, and my hope maybe for you is that uh, by hearing a story or something like this, like, oh, people, this is something people can do. 
that maybe in some aspect or area of your life that you will be encouraged to to go beyond where you're at as well. Maybe it's uh, I don't know I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's creating a course. Maybe it's painting a painting. Maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's holding your breath. <laughs> uh, how long can you hold your breath? I don't know. What's possible? I don't know. Um, there's something about seeing people do beyond what your preconceived notion of possible, and then realizing that. There's not as many limits to who we are and to to our lives and to what we are capable of doing as we might think. And there's something incredible about pushing like the boundaries and the limits. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll not keep going there. It's just it's just cool. I, I want to. I, hopefully, you're, you're encouraged or you're challenged in, in some of this to know. Like, yeah, this is. I I did not like running. I, my wife, she will tell you, it's, I fought her for 10 years of running. I think I've mentioned this before. And then one day I started and I've just kind of kept going. And running obviously might not be your thing. Seriously, it's not about the running. I think that's what we're calling this. Uh, whatever aspect of your life that you find this passion or this hobby or this interest or something that's beneficial, like, yeah, keep going, keep trying. Because you, you never know what's possible until you keep going. So here's the last thing. Okay, and then, then I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up. The last thing is this. Again, 100 miles. It's a long way to go. It seems like a long way to go. As I look back in hindsight, oh my gosh, that's a long way to go. Um, but also like uh, finally getting to this place, this has been like a, a goal of mine that's been at least two years in the making. So this thing didn't happen overnight. It took a while. Uh, in fact, you know, and I've talked about this, I believe I, last March, I did a hundred mile race and I failed. I, I didn't even make it halfway. I made it 40 miles and I wasn't feeling good and it, things weren't proper in my body. And I called it a day after 40 miles. That's a pretty good distance in and of itself, but I didn't get my goal. So it was a year after that before I did this race. But it was also like a lot of time leading up to that where, I, you know, maybe a year where I've been thinking about it, talking about it, looking into it. So you've got like essentially at least two years of this idea that I'm going to go and do this thing. You've got two years of talking about it, two years of half training for it, sometimes taking too long of a break. You've got two years of telling people that you're going to do a thing or thinking about doing a thing or trying to set up. You've got two years. It takes a long time. You've got two years, half of which was lived after failing at trying it the first time. So you've got a year of living with the failure of not accomplishing the thing that you would set out to do, which is also a very difficult place to be. But... After the two years and the failure and the training and the talking and the researching and the learning and the growing, like that goal has become a reality. And now it's not just something that I'm talking about doing. It's something that I have the experience of finishing. I now have this ability to put this like notch in my belt, if you will, that this is something I've done. And this is something that you can't take away from me this two years of talking and training and thinking and failing, like that was part of the journey that got me to where I needed to be to do the thing that I wanted to do. So what is the thing that you're doing 
that may seem like it's taking forever to get to? What is the goal that you have that you're trying to get to that you haven't got to yet that you may have had setbacks for that's taking a really long time to get to? What is that for you? Um, there's a, a guy I know that has that has a, a couple cool business ideas that he's been working on for a couple years now. And he's working on getting these things to the market. And they're things that are like really neat that um, have the ability to do a lot of good in the world. And he's had some ups and downs along the way, but he's still working to it. He hasn't hit the big time with it yet, but it's all moving. It's all moving forward. And I'm like, that is so incredible. And someday, someday he will get to the goal of what he's trying to do and there will be a great celebration. Right? And, and guess what? Here's the thing. Even if you don't get to that goal, even if he doesn't get to that goal, he is still learning lessons along the way about who he is and how to like navigate all of this. And he's creating this path in which he now is going hopefully to become better for all of it, whether it ultimately succeeds or fails. Right. It's it's that idea of um, good things don't happen overnight. It's that idea of that we've talked about before about um, uh, so the, the biggest changes come incrementally. Right. It, it, it's this idea of if you will keep your hand to the plow, this is, I believe, a biblical reference. If you keep your eyes focused on the goal, keep your hand to the plow and don't turn back from what it is that you have in front of you, you will eventually get to where you want and need to be. So again, what is that thing maybe for you? What's what's maybe Maybe you're going through that struggle right now or maybe you're in the place of there's a thought that you have that you would like to do, this goal, some sort of achievement, some sort of something to contribute to the world and to society, but you haven't started it yet because you feel like um, you, you feel like it's going to take too much work and it's going to take too much time and it's going to take too much effort. Okay, yeah, it might. But guess what? You can do it. You can still do it. Um, when I was... My, my family is, is kind of an interesting uh, dynamic and situation where I'm talking about like my, uh, my family of birth, not the family that I've given birth to. Um, when I was, oh, is there music playing in the background? That's really strange. Where's that coming from? Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, that was so bizarre. Um, I don't know if you heard that or not. I just had... Coldplay playing in the background. Uh, in my in my family that I grew up in, uh, there, there's my brother and uh, me and my brother Caleb were four years apart. My parents waited 15 years before they had two girls. Same parents, almost like two completely different families, Hannah and Leah. And when my dad was telling me that they were pregnant for the first time with the girls, I would have been 15 years old. And they sat me and my brother down, told us the news. And this is the way my dad tells the story. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily remember this, but he said, um, I said, dad, do you realize that when that kid is 15, I will be 30 years old? Like that, <laughs> my parents are giving me this breaking news about like this exciting news about we're having a sister and they're having a baby. And it's, you know, they're really excited. And my biggest concern was that when the kid is 15, I will be 30. <laughs> like, what? what? Um, but my dad's advice or my dad's response to this, 
this is like next level wisdom type of stuff. My dad's uh, response to this was, well, Seth, don't you realize that in 15 years, whether we have this baby or not, you will still be 30. <laughs> and I guess, which is brilliant. Like it's Jedi mind stuff. Like he's this next level wisdom, right? Uh, but, but apparently that was enough to like calm me down and soothe my soul in that moment. You see, here's the thing. You may have these different things, that you, these goals, these visions, these ideas, the things that you want to accomplish. And they may take... They may look like they're going to take a lot of years, and it may take me five years. Maybe I want to go back to school and get a master's in something else. Maybe I want to pursue a different career. Well, it's going to take 10 years, and by 10 years, I'm going to be 50. Okay, well, in 10 years, you're still going to be 50, whether you go through the course or not. So if that's the thing that you want to do, then freaking go do it. Like, do that thing, right? Pursue that goal. It will take time, but if you pursue it like that, it's worth the the reward when you finally get to it. So there you have it, my friends. That is episode number twenty-two. Seriously, it's not about the race. <laughs> Come on, a whole a whole series about running that's not actually about running. Hopefully, there's some good stuff in there that you can come away with that is encouraging and uplifting uh, that you will find brings some sort of benefit to your life at some in some way, shape, or form. All right, this is episode 22. Seriously, it's not about the running. Guys, thanks for being here. It's been fun. Mom, thanks for listening. I love you. We'll talk to you later. God bless. I'm sending all the love in your general direction. I'm out. We're here to unlearn teachings of the church and the state. We're here to kill